Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Poppy Harlow is the author of The Biggest Little Boy, A Christmas Story. Poppy is a twice Emmy-nominated journalist who co-anchors the morning edition of CNN Newsroom and hosts the successful podcast Boss Files with Poppy Harlow. Originally from Minnesota, she now lives in Brooklyn, New York with her husband, Sinisa, and their children, Sienna and Luca. You can visit her online at Poppy Harlow CNN. Welcome, Poppy. I'm so excited to discuss The Biggest Little Boy, A Christmas Story, your new children's book. I'm so happy to be here, Zimmy. Thank you. Hero mom of four. (laughs) Hero mom who, like works at CNN, commutes to Yale to go to law school. I mean, I, like two kids. I, I mean, please, seriously. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. I've had this um, interesting, uncomfortable feeling this week because people say things like that to be nice, which I appreciate and I love. But if they really saw how it really is, like people say, oh, what can't you do? Or you can do everything. And I'm like, no, like, I'm just trying for at almost 40, I'm experimenting and trying different things in my life. And it's really messy and I'm not great at all of them, but I'm just trying them. And it feels really good to like, for someone who has tried for a lot of my life to be, well, none of us are ever perfect. So to strive for close to perfection, which I never achieve to finally allow myself to not even get close to it. And to just like embrace the messy and be okay with just being okay is the way that I've been putting it feels really good. And I'm like genuinely smiling and happy because like, yes, I commute to New Haven to go to school or you went to school, but like, I am like, could it be lucky if I pass? I'm just like graduate, do not try to be top of your class because it, it is not happening this year. I love that. I saw you said something similar with Savannah Gunthry on your Today Show appearance, which was amazing, by the way, and how you were like, I don't have to be top of my class. Like, I just have to pass. I have to pass my finals. Savannah is valedictorian, I will tell you, at Georgetown Law School. I will not be that, but I'm going to law school to learn to get better at my job that I love, you know, and to work, by the way, before this incredible, I've been at CNN since 2008, so many years, this incredible employer 
my boss, Jeff Zucker, who not only said, yes, you can go, we're encouraging you. Like we will make this work. You know, we will, we, we, you know, you don't have to anchor your show for the next nine months. You know, you can go do this and make it happen. Just, you know, like work every holiday, which is the deal. I yeah. work every holiday. I don't have <laughs> class. That's remarkable. And I think it's a, a message to other employers right now. Like if you can make the seemingly impossible happen for your employees, if you can make that possible, do it because they'll be forever loyal to you, like forever loyal to you. And there are things that you can do to help build someone in ways that they couldn't do without your support. And that's, that's what, that's why I feel so, so lucky. That's really amazing. That's so great. I know I went to business school, by the way, and that was when I was there while I was there, I lost my best friend on 9-11, which I talk about a lot on the show, but whatever. But it was the first time in my life where I was like, okay, I I am not even going to try to get good grades. Like I have to pass. And yeah. I almost, I like tr- actually tried to drop out, but I was like not allowed to drop out. So yeah, you like convinced me to just say, but I was like, I just, I can't fail which is such a different approach for a perfectionist sort of the way I've grown up, which is always to try to do my best every minute. And not that I didn't try, but it's a different mindset. And even with like all the stuff I'm doing now too, it's like people are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, I make a ton of mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. You know, like, I don't know. It's not perfect. I just forgot, you know, my kid's dentist appointment or I don't, like there's always stuff. There's just always stuff dropping, but I don't know. Why not? But it's okay to let it drop and not catch all the balls. And like, you know, Glennon Doyle, who says and writes so beautifully, we can do hard things. Mm-hmm. That really impacted me because I was like, well, this might be the hardest thing I ever try to do, but I'm going to try, you know? And I've had so many moments of second guessing myself. I, I remember, <laughs> oh my gosh, near the beginning of the semester, because it's like a two and a half hour commute from Brooklyn where we live, almost three hours. So I take the subway from Brooklyn to Penn Station and then the Amtrak up to New Haven and then walk about like 20, 25 minutes to class and have my backpack, you know, and one that really bad storm in New York a a few months ago, all the trains were obviously like canceled. And so I'm like, went to Penn Station, but then the train, you know, train was canceled. So I'm like trudging through Times Square with my backpack on and my Birkenstocks. (laughs) Like my brother, my savior calls me and he's like, I figured your train was canceled. Do you want me to drive you to New Haven? Oh, And he did. And I was like, but I was like, what am I doing? Like I could be at CNN doing the job I love, like going to sit in hair and makeup. <laughs> but I'm like trudging through Times Square after a storm with a heavy backpack and my Birkenstocks. I'm like, am I doing the right? And I'm like, not home nearly as much for my kids as I used to be. Cause I don't get home until, you know, like late evening. And I used to be home all afternoon after my show. And I was like, what am I doing? And that was a moment where I almost like, I was like, should I quit? Should I not do this? But then I was like, I just have to try. I just have to get through graduation in May, you know, and remind myself we can do hard things and what a privilege and blessing it is for me to be able to do this. Right. Most people, do not have this kind of leeway with their, with their employers. So, you know, I have to embrace that privilege and, and make the most of it. I'm so fascinated by this decision of yours. And I <laughs> could talk about this all day. Cause I want to know like why, but I also want to just find out about your children's book and why you wrote it. And I loved also not to keep quoting your other interview, which I hate to do, but that, you know, what it was like to write about one child and not the other. Oh my gosh. Because I actually, I have my own children's book coming out and I dedicated it to one of my kids. I have four kids. As you 
And the my other daughter who wasn't it didn't get the dedication just found out when I showed her like the printout and she called me like crying. She was at her dad's like sobbing. What? Why not me? Oh my gosh. And now I feel terrible. And I'm like, maybe the next one, you know, but then my son, anyway, it's like, you can't do anything. You You can't do anything right. (laughs) Well, at least it's only your dedication. I wrote this whole book about Luca, not about Sienna. So I, I, by the way, I, I looked at your children's book that's coming. I know it's coming. Yes, yes. Princess Charming. And what I loved about it is the message of like what I'm good at, what she's good at is like keeping trying, is being persistent. It's great because that's like, that's like, you know, almost like 90% of the battle in life is like persistent. Just be persistent. So I love that message. I did dedicate this book to both Sienna and Luca. But this is my my two kids. But this is my way of trying to make up for only writing a book about Luca. <laughs> the re- and by the way, Sienna's book is like very in the work, so it's coming. Good. The reason I wrote it was it just happened. It was a kind of a true story. I was carrying Luca about you know how children's books go. You write it takes a long time to get them illustrated and COVID delays of shipping and everything. But I wrote. I wrote, I was walking through the Christmas tree market in Brooklyn on Court Street with Luca and the baby Bjorn or holding him or something. And he reached out to grab a Christmas tree and like almost pulled the big Christmas tree over. And I was like, this would be a great book. And so I started, I wrote the idea down in my to-do task list as I do everything. And then I just started writing it and it took like months. And then I got in touch with Tina Dubois, who's my fabulous book agent at ICM and then Tamar, my publisher at, at Penguin. And, you know, we made some tweaks to it and then found this great illustrator, Ramona Kalitsky, who has just brought it to life, um, really brought it to life. But, you know, the idea was like, how do I teach my kids? Yeah, there's her beautiful so, art. It's so great. I mean, people on the podcast, I'm doing this on visual, like I'm holding up the book to show Poppy. Yeah, and it's just really, so and, I, and she even added sparkles. Look at the sparkles. I know, I can feel it. I, you know, you can, on top. you have yeah, your hand exactly. over it. They like pop out, you know. That's... Exactly. But I, the idea was the message in the book is it's not all about big things. Like it's not just big things that are special. My, I was trying to bring a little bit of my Minnesota roots and values to, to trying to raise normal kids in New York City where everything is, you know, there's so much excess and, so many big things and so much going on to remind them that like the little things in front of us are the beautiful things and often the most perfect things. It's so true. It's such a good message. It's such a good story. Even the size, how, how just taking life from somebody else's perspective, particularly our kids, like it must be scary going through this big crowded world so little, you know, and, and just right. remembering that like, you don't need the biggest things. You don't need the biggest trees. You don't need, you need what's right for you and that's okay. And that's good. Right. Oh, Having a heart for things big, big and small is, is the message. But you know, so Sienna's like not happy that this book is not about her. And I get it. I wouldn't be happy either. So I'm begging for her patience for the one about her to come out. What's that going to be about? I can't disclose all of it yet, but it is, let's just say it's about a superpower that she has in inside of her. And then to be honest, reading both my kids, this book, like they didn't want any of it. Like they, they like, jumped out of the chair when I tried to film a video for social media. They're like, we're over it. We want the dinosaur book, you know? And then Luca told me this week, well, mom, actually, I don't like little trees. 
I want my tree to touch the clouds. So I'm not sure the message resonated with him. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. They're not your audience. They're like built in, you know. All right. I hope your kids like it more than my kids did. (laughs) (laughs) My kids loved it. My kids loved it. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so glad. Amazing. So how did you end up at CNN to begin with? Like, can we go back to that for two seconds? I'm sure we talk about it all the time, but you were from Minnesota. You went to Columbia or no? Yeah, I went to Columbia. Went to Columbia. Dad went to school. And so it was like a lot about following in his footsteps. And he he died when I was young. And so I was 15. And so, and by the way, he was a lawyer. So this is like a big reason why I'm going to law school. How did he pass away? Can I ask? You don't have to tell me. Of course, he had cancer. It was pretty fast. Four months in the hospital, never came out. And uh, he was 49. So, but he was everything. He is everything. He's like so with me in my job that I do. He's on my walls. I'm looking up at something from him now. And he went to Columbia, so I wanted to follow in his footsteps. So yeah, I went to school in New York City. And I was going to go to law school right out of college. And then I started working in news while I was in college at CBS News in an internship. And it ended up working, interning there for three years and loved it so much that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this news thing and try. And I started working my way up in, in local news here. I worked, I was just blessed to learn so much here from CBS and my colleagues at CBS Newspath. I would like transcribe interviews, you know, run tapes from across the street to the studio and all that stuff. And then I was very fortunate to get hired by New York One, an amazing New York news station. And they really taught me so much to film all of my own footage, to edit it. I mean, we did everything. I I was a Staten Island, New Jersey, now local reporter. And I drove my the little station car out to Staten Island, (laughs) Jersey and would film my own segments and edit them, but it teaches you so much. And then from there, I went to Forbes.com video network, which is where I learned so much about business news and economic news. And so that's where I got my real specialty. And from there, CNN hired me, this great guy named Caleb Silver, who is still such a close friend, hired me. I was very lucky. He took a chance on me. I'd never been on live television in my life. And I remember I went to the interview at CNN. I was like, so excited. And I go to his office and I still give him grief about this today because he was like busy. He's like, I have to leave. And I was like, but it's our interview. And so I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I have to go to Time Inc., which was part of Time Warner at the time, which owned CNN, part of our company before the spinoff. And I was like, well, I'll come with you. So I did my interview with him like on the subway. So persistence, right? Your message in the book. I was just like, I'm not leaving. This is my interview. Let's go. I talked to you on the subway. And he hired me and I started at CNN and and I've never left. And I never want to leave. I love it so much. And then the market crashed. Remember 2008 financial crisis. So here I'm a business and economics reporter and I'm down at the stock exchange. But I was like junior, junior reporter, only hired to do the website. And then Atlanta, our headquarters called and they needed someone on like in the middle of the day, I was at the NASDAQ stock exchange and the market was tanking and they're like, well, put Poppy on. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. I've never done live TV. I can't do this. And they were like, just try. Like if I think Caleb's words were don't F it up. (laughs) So I tried not to. And then they wanted me next hour. And I was like, okay, I guess I was okay. And that was the beginning. Wow. That's amazing. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. And now you're going back to school. It's, a, it's, it's wild. It's great. And so what is the show, by the way, that you're doing on the side, the CNN okay. Plus? Yeah. So this is exciting. I can't tell you what the show is. Sorry. But okay. I can tell you we launch in the first quarter and it is a show that I travel for. So basically every Friday I don't have class. Mm-hmm. And so Fridays I travel with this great team of producers and we get to talk to some really fascinating people about their journey and their stories. And it's long form, which is what I love, you know, and no commercial breaks. Wow. And it will all stream on CNN Plus in the, in the first quarter. So that's been a real highlight and, and joy for me to get to do. So what else is on your big to-do list? Like, I want to peek at the list. Like, let, let, <laughs> what else is on it? Here's my to-do list of all the people to write thank you notes to today. Um, that's my immediate to-do list. I, hmm, I really, for one of the first times in my life, don't really know what's next. And I'm really happy and fine with that. Meaning I'm going to stay at CNN. I love CNN. I have a contract here and I hope to be here for a very long time. I will go back to our show, the show that I get to co-anchor with my friend Jim every morning. I'll go back to that at the end of May, maybe June 1st. Maybe I'll try to sneak in a week off after finals. At night. <laughs> and I'd love to keep doing stuff with CNN Plus, whether it's a different iteration of this new show or we continue this new show. I'd love to do that. But I, you know, the reason I'm going to school, it's not a full law degree. It's a master's in law. So it's me and the one L's, like me and the 25-year-olds who are all (laughs) so flipping smart. I'm like, they just blow me away. Did you read One L by Scott Drew? Of course I did. It completely terrified me. (laughs) That book is about Harvard Law School. I know, but still. Very different. Okay, close enough. Yale Law School. (laughs) Believe it or not. And so I was, yes, I read that book and it was terrifying, but so well-written. I want to find a way to use what I learned this year. Obviously I will apply it to my job. And a big reason I went was to learn more, especially about constitutional law and criminal law, things that we cover so much and civil procedure. But 
I, beyond just informing me for the interviews we do and giving me a better base knowledge, I hope that it will in some way tie into some other work that I can do to help people. Next semester, I'm hoping I get in. There's a class called Capital Punishment that I really, really, really want to take by Professor Stephen Bright, who has, I think, argued the most death penalty cases and won the most death penalty cases before the Supreme Court of anyone in history. And Brian Stevenson of Equal Justice Initiative is a was a, was a like a, a student of his. And I hope I get in. I don't know. I bid for the class. So we'll see if I get in. But I I. I, I filmed quite a few times in prisons and reported on uh, the criminal justice system. And so I hope that there's something I can take from that course and from my peers in school that can be helpful to society. And I just don't know what that is yet. That's okay. It'll all unfold organically, as my husband says. <laughs> it out. Exactly. Do you have any time to read? <sighs> Little, which is why your podcast is so great, Mom. <laughs> Little. But I'm reading, I just read this book that changed me in a great way called The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Okay. I have not read that yet. Really love it. And it's about, I think the like subhead is like um, the quest for a moral life. And even in the first few pages, he talks about like how many of us climb this sort of professional mountain and then we get to the top and then we're like, oh, like, is that it? Mm-hmm. Oh, like there's gotta be more like of meaning of substance than like what I have achieved or what we as a team have achieved. And so it's about that second mountain that we all climb to like, to what a moral life is for us and what a, and you know, there's a lot of spirit, there's a lot of spirituality in the book. And I really, really, would recommend that to people because I sort of think I may be at the base of my second mountain in life as a parent, as a wife, as a friend, as a colleague, as a professional. And I have no idea what is going to be at the top of that mountain. Well, it's exciting, right? Because then you have all that. All the but I, I mean, books sit on my bedside table, like constantly and don't get read constantly. Just like, I'm like trying to read my law school stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't know how it would be. On the train. That's what the train's for. Yeah. And you do that every day or you do it? Four days a week. Yeah. Monday through Thursday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This week I'm not skipping class. You want to just stay up there? I could, but I got these two little munchkins, you know? Yeah. And I like to tuck them in at night. Yeah. That's true. I guess I would probably do that too. All right. Well, I won't try to change your whole commuting schedule. But that is something I would, I would Maybe do. next semester. I think if I get into this class, it's an evening class. So I think I will try to stay one night up there. Yeah. But I mean, this is like my, uh, I've been calling my husband lately, the miracle man, which of course he loves. <laughs> because I was just thinking, you know, there's just no, he's got like a super demanding job and like lots of people that report to him. He works in consulting at Ernst and Young. And it's like, deal like Sienna was home from school this week. Cause like, and like doing virtual school and they had, he like did that with her all day or last week, whatever it was while he was doing his job. Cause I was in New Haven, you know, I mean, he just really like, I mean, it's just never been a, he's never questioned or thought that part, any part of parenting was more my job than his, which is 
the only way that I could do this and is a testament to him and to his parents who raised him that way, both working as well. So my miracle man, he'll get that title till I get bad at him again. How did you meet him? I met, Sinisha is his name. I met him in Minnesota at our favorite restaurant. It's not there anymore called Filio's in Calhoun Square in 2005, long time ago, right after college. And we did long distance for five plus years, Minnesota, New York, because I was working in news and he was trying to build his career in Minneapolis. And, you know, we made like no money. That's why I think I made $28,000 a year as a journalist. I mean, I was an entry level and like saved every penny to go on to buy a flight or, you know, to get home to Minnesota on what was then Northwest Airlines and the same thing, same thing for him. And, you know, it actually is like, everyone says, how did you do long distance for so long? It was actually great for us because we really got to know each other slowly and become friends first and then work on our own careers so that when we were in the same city, we had like sort of established ourselves more and could build, start building a life together. Oh, that's so nice. I love it. Well, you're lucky to have him. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it was Cheryl Sandberg at Facebook who wrote in her book a long time ago, the most important decision you'll ever make in life is who your partner is. Mm-hmm. After And her husband, Dave, passed away so young. Know. You know, I think that's definitely, definitely true because you got to have someone who's supportive of, you know, many different aspects of your life if you're going to try different crazy things. <laughs> it's hard to get everything right. By the way, can I can I say one thing, Zimmy? Yes, of course. I I listened to like a bunch of your podcasts, and you did one with this guy whose book I love, Matthew Barzen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Barzen, and his book is The Power of Giving Away Power. Yeah. And you said something in it. You said at one point that you're not a leader. He was talking about like the presidents and queens, and you talked about yourself. And the reason I bring that up is because you are such a leader. And I have always said that about myself. And I've always said, like, I'm in this fellowship group, the Henry Crown Fellowship with all these like amazing business people and CEOs, and they're all the boss and they're like way more powerful than me. And I was like, yeah, but you guys are the leaders. And I'm like, I'm not a leader. I feel like a whole worker, you know? And then Tim Noonan, who's one of our like teachers in this fellowship said, no, you're a leader. And no one had ever talked to me like that. And so now I try to tell myself I'm a leader. And when I heard you say that, I wanted to tell you that you're a leader for all of us, parents, not just mothers, parents, entrepreneurs, trying things, missing dentist appointments, making the messy work. Like, so this is me passing on my Tim Noonan advice to you, Zibby Owens. You're a leader. Oh, Poppy. Oh, get it. It's literally like making me cry. That's so oh. nice. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for taking the time to listen to my podcast and for You're great. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That really it means so much to me, especially coming from you. But yeah, it's hard to sort of own up to anything we're doing, right? We're just so busy and trying and this and that and the other thing. And anyway, thank you. So that You're welcome. I mean it. Made my day. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Well, I am so happy that we got a chance to talk, particularly today, and I know this will come out later, but today is the day after your book came out and is the day before Thanksgiving and is already like craziness with kids. So thank you for letting me have this half an hour to 
and be you. with you, be inspired by you, have a great adult conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Vivi. And connect. I hope I can take you for a cup of coffee one of these days when you're we're, we're both back in New York. Not that we have time, but you know. Not that we have time, but I would love it. Yes, that would be okay. really fun. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks, Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 